welcome to Walton Biz Talk. I'm here today with our co-host Summer Stahl Balmer. Hello. And uh, our co-host is going to be taking over in the fall, Ryan Decker. Hello. And we're here today with Melody Taylor, the Executive Director of Beautiful Lives, and Emily Dunn, who's been working with Beautiful Lives for quite a bit. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having us. It's a treat to be here. Awesome. Well, um, we're just going to start off pretty easily and just ask you, uh, one, can you tell us what Beautiful Lives is? Certainly. And then a little bit about how you uh, came to work there, both you and Emily. Okay. Well, Beautiful Lives Boutique is a women's nonprofit thrift boutique. So it's a nonprofit so that we receive donations of clothing and merchandise and we're mainly volunteer run. And then we give our profits away to five organizations that help women and children in crisis. So it's very missional. It's more than just a place where you can go shop. Mm -hmm. And it's better than a regular thrift shop as well because it's beautiful. It, that's why we have the name Boutique because it's beautiful. It's organized. You feel uh, dignified when you come in and hopefully even more beautiful and dignified when you leave. That's our goal. Mm -hmm. um, so that's the concept behind it. Uh, we have women's clothing and accessories. We sell them at thrift store prices. Um, it's located in Fayetteville. On, at 245 East Township, which is just two days old now. We've been here for two years and now just recently moved and had our grand opening a few days ago. Yeah. So we're in a new location because we outgrew our prior spot and to make room for the customers that are coming and, and to expand. And then we've added a new element, which is the Global Shop. And the Global Shop has products made by women around the world that help them come out of poverty and the funds from the sales from that one aspect of our store helps go towards the international justice mission that's another nonprofit that is really focused on sex trafficking and ending slavery globally does a lot of good a lot of justice work so we want to get behind that organization the whole umbrella the whole concept of our beautiful eyes boutique is to truly provide a way for women to have affordable clothing in our own community to provide free clothing for women in need. Mm -hmm. There are women who come out of prison who come to our shop and they get what they need to get back into society. Women who arrive here from other countries as refugees through Canopy also have clothing needs and just women in crisis that they can come in and get everything they need um, and, and not be um, treated any really any differently than any other customers mm -hmm. so that they're not feeling less dignified either, but they can get the things they need for them and their families. And then again, we give the profits away to five organizations that are all aimed towards helping the vulnerable, the marginalized women and children. Hmm. That's awesome. Um, so many things to unpack there. <laughs> <laughs> but before we move on, I just have to mention that these pants that I'm wearing are from Beautiful Lives. <laughs> and every time I run into Melody, I feel like I'm wearing something from Beautiful Lives because I always go there. Uh, so I went this Saturday when you guys had your grand opening, right. which is really awesome. Um, and I did not wear these on purpose. <laughs> I just realized I was wearing this. Um, so that's really awesome. You said that you work with a couple of nonprofits mm -hmm. in the community. Um, one that works with the women's prison. Mm -hmm. um, what other ones do you work with? Uh, young Lives, which are young okay. girls who are pregnant in the Northwest Arkansas area. So they're pregnant and then they become young moms. And so Young Lives is another nonprofit in this area that provides mentorship and support for these young ladies. Mm -hmm. Another is Go Near Ministry, which is one that my husband and I started in 2005 
focused on going towards orphans and widows in Africa. We moved there, and the whole concept really started from people going on these trips to serve with us and returning back to Little Rock, which is where we're from, and starting this thrift store model to be able to fund the work we did with children in the slums and do orphan care work and a vocational training program for women in Africa. And so Go Near specifically at the moment the funds from our store goes through Go Near to help a vocational training program for women on the coast of Kenya mm-hmm. that are extremely vulnerable, and it's making a big difference so that they can have a skill and provide for themselves after that program is done. Um, the other program that we help support is Ladies of Grace, and that's a prison ministry. Uh, we go in on Monday nights and do mentoring and Bible studies, and then we stock their clothes closet so that they have clothes when they take off their yellow jumpsuit and take leave their Crocs, and they have to have clothing to go out the door, yeah. go to court, uh, be picked up and go home, um, and then they come to our shop as well. But they need clothes immediately. And then they come into our shop and get free clothes. Mm. And then International Justice Mission is another area that we give the money to that I mentioned earlier. And then also Global Outfitters, which is an organization here in Northwest Arkansas that's a part of New Heights Church. And there's 60-something workers overseas that do a lot of global work, as well as some work here in our community to help internationals and um, women and children in communities around the world. It's really incredible. Um, so you said you and your husband also started the Go Near mm-hmm. Foundation? Okay, that's really awesome. So my question is, like, you seem to, you've started two um, things. So you started Go Near and you started Beautiful Lives. Mm-hmm. How did that come to fruition? Like, when did you learn that you kind of wanted to go down that path? Well, um, I would say that it really started, the desire to do good in the world started when I was young. Um, I lived out, not in a neighborhood in Little Rock, kind of out in the country. So I'd read books, and I read books of women that really inspired me, like Eleanor Roosevelt. As a, as a president's wife, she was not very attractive, but she kind of made the best of her plight, and she ended up going in and visiting soldiers who had been wounded at the war, served in soup kitchens, uh, really worked with the people during that time that were poor and discouraged and so she lived a life that I thought was really inspiring, as well as other people like Corey Tim Boone, reading her story about hiding the, uh, the the Jews in their home and you know going through trauma for that. And Florence Nightingale and Clara Barton and you know women that were really inspiring to me got put a put something in me that said I want to live my life for more than just myself. And then um, developed some skills in community service through my high school, kind of get involved in some civic groups. And then I just, it, it just kind of happened. I mean, I had four children. My husband and I are still married, but we had four children and focused on raising a family in Little Rock. But we were also in a church that was very biblical. And there was one verse that came out that's James 127 that says religion that's pure and undefiled in the sight of God our Father is to care for widows and orphans in distress. Or in some versions it says to go visit widows and orphans in distress. So for us the word go near actually is that. It's going near. You have to go near. So for us it meant serving in the inner city of Little Rock with you know families that were different than our culture and then moving, uh, taking teams to serve in an orphanage in Guatemala and then at that point, there was so much interest in what we were doing that we needed a nonprofit. And that's where the name came out. And somebody said, I can help you get it 
done. I can do the paperwork for you and just like that. We had a nonprofit and then it was in place for our move to Africa and it helped us be able be able to have funds and have a board to actually then move to Africa to really be near widows and orphans in extreme poverty. And then we had to evacuate the U.S. because of the war and then there was a little bit of a, a, a resting time but still a desire to keep going back and doing doing good work to, that really made a difference. And then we started taking people. And as we started taking people, we're at like at 400, I think, at this point now, that have gone with us overseas. There was one lady who came on one of our trips and said, I want to help you raise money for what you're doing in Africa. And I'm going to have this event called Shop My Closet in my home. And I'm going to invite my wealthy friends to bring their clothes to my home and their accessories. And we're going to have a, a wine and cheese party. And we're going to see if we can buy from each other's closets and see what it does. And I really thought, there's no way your wealthy friends are going to want to shop from each other's closets. You know, I knew these ladies. And they, they had planes. And they you know, they would fly to New York or in Dallas and come back. And, you know, yeah. I thought, what? what? This is not going to fly. But when you work with people that have ideas, I, I've learned you listen and you go with those ideas. And it's people's ideas all working together that create these most exciting things. So we did it, and it was so popular. And we did it again in another home, and then we went to brick and mortar. Mm -hmm. And it went for about two or so years. And then uh, Jim Hall, who's a lawyer and a uh, pastor and a real community leader here, said, you all need to do what you do in Little Rock up here. And we were like, no, no, no. <laughs> but we do love Northwest Arkansas. We love the culture up here. We love the university. We love, there's so much community collaboration and cooperation among nonprofits here like nobody else that I've seen that we wanted to be a part of that. And so we sold everything and moved up here and found this little house on college and, and did that for two years. We were an unknown. We had no merchandise. We had no fixtures. And yet it happened. We found the house in probably about three weeks because of volunteers. We turned it around and, and opened our doors. Mm -hmm. And after two years, we made a significant profit to give away. It's just a miracle. It truly mm -hmm. is. It's a lot of hard work, but it's a lot of fun. And it's really neat to be connected to the university because mm -hmm. a lot of the students are the ones that help us actually process the clothes and get things out and volunteer with us. And that's been a great surprise mm -hmm. is being able to work with university students like Emily. And she wasn't a university student at the time, but she is now. So I, I look forward for you to hear her story. But to have young people come on board, mm -hmm. as young as high school, as young as junior high school, start to work in a real positive environment. Because women uh, want to do good. Just like when I was young and reading those books, you know, there's some seeds in, in us that say, you know, we, we want to contribute. We're made to, to make this world more beautiful and to bring hope and joy into people's lives. So to give people that opportunity and to work together with people my age and younger all together for the common goal is really fun and energizing. And there's more stores that are going to open in the future as a result. Yeah. So that's, that's just kind of how it all's happened. Yeah. <laughs> Emily, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and like what brought you to Beautiful Lives. Like how did you hear about it? Um, what has your growth been there? How long have you been there? So I'm Emily. I have been with Beautiful Lives for about two years now. Um, they were open for a half year before I came on board. I heard about them through New Heights Church, who they're associated with. Um, my mom actually saw it on the news bulletin and she was like, here, I think you should do this. <laughs> and so we went <laughs> we we down to, to Beautiful Lives. It was this really cute house. We came with um, the German exchange student that was staying with us in our home. So 
Selena, which is the mm-hmm. German exchange student, and I ended up volunteering um, the second, like, we came the second time. Um, because the first time I came in and found a $10 prom dress that fit me perfectly, so I was in love. Um, And it was also Melody. Melody Taylor, the woman who just spoke, is my boss now, but um, she wasn't then, but she just opened up the door and she she just welcomed us very lovingly. She she talks to everybody in the store. Um, She she really sucked us in because she's just (laughs) she's just so kind and welcoming and She's a really great boss. But anyway, I started working with Selena in the back room. Something that I loved was that I could just come in at any time that the store was open and just get to work. Mm -hmm. And so I knew in my free hours, if I was bored and I didn't have anything to do, I could go on to Beautiful Lives if they were open and do work that was good Mm -hmm. and could help people, even Mm -hmm. if it was something like tagging or steaming clothing so that it looks um, just not wrinkly. Like little things that just add up to great, great things that's true mm-hmm. so that's how I kind of started I guess okay. and what so you are a freshman right yes so what's your major I'm a human development and family sciences major I came in thinking that I'd do counseling but now I'm actually really liking beautiful lives and I'm really considering continuing that's awesome that's cool. really cool mm-hmm. that's cool I like how you um, Melody, you didn't really have, you obviously never had this plan of like, oh, I'm going to open this business that sells clothes and everything mm-hmm. like that. Um, I like how that came about, sort of, you had a passion, but you didn't have a set plan, yet it all worked out. I think a lot of times, it, at least for me, since I'm about to graduate, um, I don't really know what I want to do, and I feel like I need to have this like plan set out for me, you know? Like, I, I need to know what I'm going to be doing in 10 years from now. Um, but I, I think it's refreshing to know that you can have a passion that leads you someplace rather than a set plan. Well said. I think that's right on. I really do. And I'm about to be 58 this week. And I think that's wisdom is to know that everything has a purpose to it. So um, you may start doing something at this point in time, but then you'll shift and you'll do something different. And, you know, it's just one thing after another that if it brings you joy, you know, I just say pursue that. But not worry if you don't have it all plotted out because most likely... If you have it plotted out, it's not going to really go that way. <laughs> you know, again, I've been doing nonprofit work now since 2005. I don't know how many years that is exactly. And part of that is leading all these teams to go serve overseas. And I always say to my people, plan A is our plan. And usually that's not right. It doesn't work. <laughs> plan B, maybe. And then it's usually plan C is the one that really we put our hand to. So you really just have to be flexible. And um, that's good wisdom on your part to have that mentality. I try to have that mentality. I tell it's hard. <laughs> and for you that, you know, are about to graduate and everybody asks you, I know, what are you going to do when you graduate? I know, uh, you know, that it's tiring, but you just hold up and take the next thing, in, you know, that comes to you and do it well and take it one day at a time and put your best effort into it and it'll all work out. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm curious because not a lot of people, well, hopefully everyone gets to do what they love, mm-hmm. but a lot of questions we get from students sometimes is about that balance between, you know, their passions and their career, mm-hmm. or like, you know, um, sometimes they go together and sometimes they, That's right. they don't. That's right. And then we know that saying, you know, like, if you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life or whatever. Um, but, you know, like, how did you... How did you think about this in terms of a business? Mm-hmm. Or were there, like, what were the challenges um, that you faced when you first started doing this? Mm-hmm. Well, I um, 
am not a business person at all. I, I am a passionate people lover, I guess you could say. And so that is a challenge for me. And I think to make it work is that I have people who have that skill set. Mm-hmm. I'm not afraid to ask for help. I'm not afraid to say, I can't do this, and, 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 and I just can't, and I need you to help me do this. Or to be patient and wait for that skill set to come my way. Um, and I do think, again, 58, there's been many a job that I didn't really enjoy necessarily, so I have to find my passion elsewhere. You know, even if I, I mean, some, I remember one time to help pay my children's tuition at a private school in Little Rock, I directed traffic, you know, with a megaphone. And, <laughs> and it was embarrassing. And then, you know, I had the gloves on and served hot dogs at lunch. I, I didn't enjoy that really, but I knew that I loved my children and I wanted them to be in that school. So there's times and seasons where you are not doing what you enjoy. Uh, in my store, you know, I think, wow, I don't really enjoy moving boxes and, and getting down on the floor and cleaning dust off the baseboards. But I never want to ask people to do things that I don't want to do. I want to I want to model doing the hard work. And so that just goes with it. But, you know, it's tiring at times. And so there's always things that you might not enjoy. But that just is part of life. And it develops character. Patience is a huge gift that you can have. You know, patience, endurance, perseverance, all those qualities that come from maybe not being in something that's just glorious. But when you know that you're doing something that matters and makes a difference, it, it carries you through. It really mm-hmm. does. It may not be in your work. It may be that you're working to be able to provide income for whatever you might need, but you can find that sense of giving and contributing in other ways as well. Mm-hmm. Something that you said <clears throat> that I feel like has come up a little bit as we're talking about leadership this, this season, um, this idea of like, not asking someone to do something you're not willing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like that's a good segue to kind of ask both of you, like how you define leadership mm-hmm. and how you see, you know, um, leadership, I guess, really working with some of the work that you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, in my mind, it's servant leadership. Mm-hmm. That's just a, a, a phrase that I've heard, but it's really being uh, willing to serve people. I want to be able to serve my people that work with me. How can I help you today? Um, I do throw out a lot, like, we need this done, we need that done, but I also, also want to say, how can I serve you today to accomplish your goals? Um, I want to serve by working hard and doing the grunt work. I want to serve the customers. That's that's a big deal to us. How can we serve you? Um, you know, you, you have to model it. You can't just tell people to be a leader and to serve. Um, and so that's important. It's being humble. It's not... It's not talking down to people it's getting underneath the people and I love working with young people because I love seeing and ask them what are the things that you know what are the things that get you pumped well I want to position you in a place where you can develop and start to try things mistakes are no big deal we're going to make mistakes try you know and we're going to help you try things and you might discover that you're really good at it or you may discover that you you're not and you don't like it, but this is a great time in life to try try things on. And it, you know, it's a no failure zone. You can do that, um, unless you're stealing or something. <laughs> anyway, you know, there's a lot of room for mistakes. This yeah. is a place where you can try. Right. That's right. kind of my thought. But Emily, what about you? I think you're a great leader, by the way. <laughs> Thanks. A big way that I see leadership is just through melody. A lot of times, um, I this came to mind, and I really should not have done this at the time, but you know. 
Part of running a business means you sometimes have to plunge toilets, and I did not want to do it. And I asked Melody too, and she did it without saying anything. Remember that. I can't believe I did that. But of course you should. I wouldn't want you to plunge a toilet. That is not. That is not what I want you to do. Like I know that whenever Melody gives me a job to do, that she she's in there with me and she's doing it to the full force of her ability she barely sits down for a second um she does the hardest work of anyone in the shop um she is not only like big picture trying to run having everyone just like where are they going what's going on what needs to be done today but she's in there and doing customer service she's um doing things that some people might even say aren't worthy of an executive director but she does them with dignity and she does it to the best of her ability and she does it with a lot of joy mm. and I just see I see a lot of leadership in Melody um where and she's not she's not prideful at all a lot of the things that I've heard today are first time <laughs> and I've been with her for two years she does not brag about herself <laughs> Um, but she's just lovely to be around. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) What, uh, Emily, I'm, I'm interested. So are you in your first semester or are you about to start your first semester? Uh, so this is my second semester. Oh, your second semester freshman. Right. Okay. Okay. And you've been working with beautiful lives like before that. So I'm just interested, like what kind, like what kind of skills Mm -hmm. do you feel like you developed working there and like how do you see them I guess like working in in your life now? I now know how to use a tagging gun. (laughs) 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 Um, Beautiful Lives was the first job I've ever had. Um, I started as a volunteer a year in. um, They hired me which was so lovely and then they've given me more and more hours which have been much appreciated but I've learned a lot. I used to be really shy back in the day whenever I was volunteering. Like Melody says that I would just come in and like not even talk to anyone and just go work in the back room um, tagging and steaming and just processing the clothing. So I learned that those practical skills with clothing but I also learned by watching Melody do customer service that Mm -hmm. I can I can talk and I can go up to people and ask them if I can take their clothes or whatever but it was a great confidence booster. Um, I think confidence is the greatest thing that Beautiful Lives has given me, Melody has given me. Um, And yeah, it's that and it's also dealing with having a smile on my face all the time (laughs) whenever I do customer service. We usually don't get um, mean people ever because our deals are amazing. Um, (laughs) A happy place. Like, like how do you handle weird situations and just, um, yeah, it's been really, really fun and I just feel like a better human being being around to melody and learning from her and how to how to be kind and do work well well i'll add to that some of the things i've seen like you say she was quiet she was quiet and then you know she's up there steaming for who knows how long and processing and doing all that quiet work which to me i always watch before i hire somebody and we don't hire we have three people we've hired that's it and they're part-time i've watched to see how do they do it with the with the processing, steaming, tagging, kind of the grunt work, you know, the less glamorous. How do they do with that? What's their attitude? How do they get along with people, all people? And I watched Emily, and she had it. 
And so then I think we were in some kind of crisis because when you're working with volunteers, you never have enough help. <laughs> and like, we need help. So we brought her downstairs because at the time it was a two-story house. So processing was upstairs. And then she started helping customers. And she did great at that. So she's a lead in helping customers. Then we added to that, um, we have mannequins put together, mm-hmm. outfits, because it's really important for shoppers to have outfits put together so they can say, I want to look like that. I'll take that. And it's a certain skill set. I don't really have it. But Emily figured that out, too. And that's almost like an innate gift that she can put outfits together. And right. about as soon as she puts an outfit on the wall, somebody takes it off. So it's pretty <laughs> constant. So that's, you know, that's a creative thing that she's right. having to think on her toes. Now, then you add, she's training people. Now, she is a freshman in college, yeah. <laughs> about to finish her first year. She's training people my age and, and older how to cash out, how to do all the, the uh, square reader how to get the money right. I don't understand it. She understands it. <laughs> you know, things like that. Right. She gets us set up now financially with our business aspect. Right. Customer service, business aspect, fashion, um, real good decision maker. Like when there's all, like this Saturday, we had so many people, you know, how, how are we going to manage it, juggle it? There's a lot of things you have to figure out on the spot. You have to be a quick thinker, and she's a quick thinker too. Uh, an initiator. She can see something to say, I think we should do this, and she'll do it, and, you know, I can just, I can walk out, and she could run it. You know, that's how I see it. So anyway, that's a prog- uh, that's progress. It's right. amazing. And I've been seeing that in other people too, but She's my sign and star. <laughs> you said, um, you talked about, Melody, you talked about servant leadership a lot. And as we've said on pretty much every episode yeah. this season, um, kind of everyone we've had on has the same idea of servant leadership, uh-huh. which I think is so interesting because I know for a fact there's other types of leadership out there, at least I think. <laughs> um, and so I find it so interesting that um, a lot of the people who are, are doing really neat things in our community, they have the same idea of leadership. Mm. Um, I didn't, when we went into this, I, I didn't really expect to find that. I thought that everyone's definition of leadership would be different, but everyone has That's so a interesting. Mm-hmm. idea. Mm-hmm. Maybe we're just interviewing similar people. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it has to do. Maybe maybe it does have to do with who you ask. It might. It might. But yeah, it's a really interesting because even we interviewed Mayor Jordan also, Uh and that was also his. So even from like the civic, um, you know, position, that was the main conversation. And so um, we've had a lot of that. Dean Waller talked about other Uh types of leadership, but for the most part, that's been like an underlying theme. Um, so that's been really interesting to hear and really encouraging. I mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been a mm-hmm. really, really awesome thing to hear about. Um, yeah, because I hadn't even really thought of that as an area of leadership before. But then, th- yeah, that word comes up a lot. Mm-hmm. It's really, really awesome. Uh-huh. Yeah, I just I think that's really interesting. <laughs> it um, is. And I think it's interesting that you uh, demonstrate that and then that you've had such, I think, success within your store and then mm-hmm. within letting other people know um kind of how to do things but without you know forcing them to do that mm. uh, i think that the plunger store was really <laughs> 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 but i think it also kind of serves as maybe like a valuable lesson i don't know i just thought that was a really funny story <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> i should not have done that <laughs> <laughs> you should have <laughs> and what did you say you were majoring in 
human development and family sciences. Okay, and you said that you were thinking about counseling, but now you're thinking about maybe going some similar route as to what Melody did? Yeah, I really love the model of, because um, we take donated clothing, but we look through it for stains and tears and holes, and all of the things that do have stains and tears and holes go to, goes to Potter's House Thrift Store, which is another thrift store, and they take everything, so they benefit from the situation as well. We can have really nice quality items in our store, and everything just looks really nice. I just love this model, um, where a thrift store can be well-organized and pretty and clean. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. I think the boutique um, aspect of it is really interesting and kind of sets you guys apart. Yeah. Um, but I was wondering, with your five companies or your five organizations that you give to, uh -huh. how did you decide those aside from the one that you started? That one kind the of go near sense. one? Yeah, that made sense. <laughs> well, when we moved up here, we really took the um, advice of Jim Hall. You know, he's been here for a decade almost, but that's not quite right. Not a decade. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, lots and lots of years, and he knows that he knows what this community needs, and he knows what's valuable. And so he said, one would be the young lives, the teen moms, and the other was another ministry we're not doing anymore. But um, and then, so that kind of got us started between two. So that was our local was young lives, the young teen moms, and then go near. And then as we progressed along, we started to get to know the ladies of grace ministry nonprofit because they were the one of the founders was a shopper mm -hmm. and I love going into the prison and doing work there I got to do that in Africa and I got, used to do that down in Little Rock and I didn't do it up here so I got invited to start going on every mm -hmm. Monday night into the prison and it just captivated my heart I'm like we got to we got to be a part of this so that was just a natural flow and at the time our shop was just a few blocks down from the Correctional Center. So it made a lot of sense that we would just con contribute funds and also clothing and also be a place where relationally we're connected to the women. Um, the third one was International Justice Mission. We took them on last year because we really wanted to do something that supported students um, that had the same kind of passion we did for helping the marginalized. So at the time, there was the International Justice Mission Student Club that just had launched. So we said, we want to get behind you all. So we've helped them with their, they went to a conference, we helped them with that. And we want to get behind students who were a voice and who were emerging leaders. It's gotten bigger than that now because of our global shop. Now we're helping fund like the bigger organization and cause. Mm -hmm. So that something's just emerged, something's just evolved. And then Global Outfitters, we're just associated with them again through our church that we work, they help us do our accounting. Um, I hope to do trips in the future to places, artisans, populations who are making the products that are in our global shop and take people from here to go see and, and see the challenges that they face, to see how they live, to see them make their products and come back and be a voice. Mm -hmm. So it kind of, I'm envisioning that for the future. So those are the, that's the way that it kind of evolved. Mm -hmm. And you also work with Canopy, right? Yes. Yes. Here. Yes. And um, one of the things that one of the things I really love about Beautiful Lives um, that you've mentioned is this boutique feel. Like when you go in, yeah. um, Emily, who I was surprised to hear shy, <laughs> was always like greeting me and saying hello. Um, but then also like someone comes and like takes your clothes while you're shopping, 
and puts them in the dressing room for you, which is makes such a huge difference. Um, and it's just got like a really awesome, um, I think you talked about shopping with dignity mm -hmm. feel. So when you have these women who are coming from these backgrounds who are in these situations that are sometimes negative, they can come in and uh, feel like they have, like, like they can shop with dignity, right. which I think is really, really incredible. One of the things I wanted to ask about too was, um, how do you, like you talked about your, your work with students. Um, one of the ways in which I figured, like I discovered Beautiful Lives Boutique was through the Social Innovation Challenge. Mm -hmm. So there was a couple of uh, students who were working on your, a challenge for your organization. Um, and I can't really, I can't really remember what all they were doing, but can you tell us a little bit about that? Mm -hmm. Like how you got involved with that and what mm -hmm. you see the value of those kind of programs? Mm -hmm. Well, we again want to be more connected with students. And the social innovation program, of course, is about entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. And Rogelio, who's leading the charge, who I love, um, you know, he's real. He's real globally oriented, and he's real like, let's get behind people in need. Mm -hmm. And so, coming from Africa and Guatemala, that really connects with me. And so, I knew that that as leaders, we would we'd be on the same page. So that was one. And then the entrepreneurship. This model is so successful. Mm -hmm. It's a great business model because. It's got for, you have free inventory, you have volunteers, and you're doing good in the community. You're 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 not only like giving the money away to help smaller nonprofits, you are also you know recycling for the for the environment. You know everything comes in, and we we put the best on the floor. We give it away free. The things that are maybe not sellable, then Potter's House sells it. You know it it just is huge. So it's good for the environment and the community. Um, so we got connected, and some students then got connected with us. And part of our challenge is getting the word out, especially you know with social media. My generation, we're not as up on that as y'all, your generation. So we're always like, give me, give me, you know, come, 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 help us, help us, help us. And so I knew that that would be something that students could help us do. And especially with the University of Arkansas, they still don't know about us. And so we still have the challenge that we did two years ago is to help us get connected with students. And those students at the Social Innovation Hub were, were trying to help us do that. Recently, our last uh, group did a, a survey also to see what, what is our customer base? Who are they? What, what are the demographics? What are their ages? Why do they shop thrift? What brought them in? So we found some interesting statistics that we could use. Uh, they made some suggestions about Instagram and Facebook and mm -hmm. things like that. Um, so we just hope to keep keep that going. One, I mean, one of the students, Amanda, just took off. I mean, to tell you, I'm still in shock. So she did the Social Innovation Hub and, again, gathered data and said, I want to help students know about what you do. And she uh, is a senior in the Walton Honors Program. And she had to get the interview outfit for the career fair and for interviews. And she said, it's so expensive to go down to the mall and buy one, an outfit that you probably aren't going to wear again. And then she found out about us. And she said, I want students not to have to go through I, what I went through. I want them to know about y'all. So she got on Blackboard and the Newswire and created flyers. And she said, we're going to host an event with donuts and coffee. And so we said, okay. <laughs> and so we did on Friday, a few days ago, before we opened to the public. And it went, it went it went viral, I guess you could say, sort of. And we had so many young ladies come through, and they loved it. And they got, I mean, they got slacks, they got tops, they got jackets, they got skirts for nothing. Awesome. And then some of the moms came through 
who were up here for Mom's Weekend, and they would buy the clothes for their daughters, both interview and fun. Yeah. So, I mean, I hope that that will continue. I told Amanda this is the beginning of something that she started. Mm-hmm. We had such a great turnout. It was a great numbers day for us. And I said, Amanda, this is your day. It was, mm-hmm. your, it was an idea again. Right, right. You know, we weren't even going to open our store. We had just had our last day in our old store on Saturday. So we opened on Friday because of her idea. Because of her idea. And it was super successful. I hope we can do it again. I want more students and teachers. And we we serve a lot of women that work here at the university. Because this is another thing I'm really passionate about. We talk about women in Canopy needing a dignified experience. But there's women that work here at the university, that work in law firms, that are school teachers. I was one of those that could never go and buy clothes at the mall. So I'd go to Goodwill and Savers, and I'd do garage sales. And there's that sense of having to look through everything. And there's a little bit of sense of shame. I was like, yeah, I'm going to Goodwill to find my clothes for me and my friends. I mean, my daughters and my kids. And, you know, but to have something like this, you never know who's, you know, right. who's who and what's going on in their lives. Everybody's the same. Mm-hmm. And so I want that for everybody, no matter what status you're in in life. If you're a young mom and you're staying home with kids, it's tight. If you're in your first job, you don't have a good paycheck yet to pay for clothes to go to work, to put your best foot forward. Mm-hmm. So I hope we can help women of all stages. And I think you have the prime location because I think the statistic is, what is it, like 30% of University of Arkansas students are food insecure, mm-hmm. um, which means there's a, a large population of students, obviously, um, who are struggling financially. Right. And, and college, just in, in general, is uh, an expensive Yes, it is. Get a degree, um, and so I think you've placed yourself in a, a really good location. Because I know, um, and now that more students are finding out about you, and when more students find out about you, um, I think that's a really useful um, tool for us to have. Is just someplace we know we can go, uh, at least ladies can go, yeah. um, to get those clothes. Uh, yes, I know. Even for me, just like buying clothes it's, it's, it's hard right. I was in your shoes I was an undergraduate here and then I was in graduate school and it was so hard to have clothes I felt embarrassed half the time because I would wear the same thing over and over again or I wouldn't have anything that was stylish so I don't want people to go through that I want them to have what they need right. and you know get it for cheap right. and I think too when you're first starting people don't often think about that when you're first starting out so in between graduating and applying for jobs, yes, and then getting the job, and then the paycheck taking a really yes. long time to yes. happen, uh, which is kind of what my situation was. Yes, uh, when I like when I first started working, and so yeah, like not having like professional clothing and not really being able to go and spend a ton of money in right. the beginning. Um, so that, I don't know what you said really, really resonated yeah. with me. I, so I just love to thrift in general. It's like, well, just like a hobby and I really enjoy it. Um, but I'm also, you were talking earlier about sustainability. People don't often realize that the clothing market and, and just clothing in general is a huge, huge stain on our environment you know all this new clothing that's being made all the dyes all the thing all the waste mm-hmm. so clothing waste is really really huge you're and right so that's one of the things i'm really passionate about is sustainable clothing <clears throat> simply because if we're always buying new products whether we're you know financially stable and we can purchase new products it's just better to buy recycled and reuse mm-hmm. as much as you can. So mm-hmm. I think that you were mentioning that earlier. So I think that's such an important part that people tend to forget that even if you're not in a state of need, 
you should still be purchasing. That's true. Right? Like, That's true. Uh, at least a core, like a small portion of your purchases mm-hmm. should be recycled if mm-hmm. you can. That's so, right. Yeah, That's right. I love that. I'd love to have a student help us with that and develop yeah. that, like with our website and our social, you know, help mm-hmm. us promote that so that people can start thinking that way. Right. You know, another thing I think about in your phase of life, again, from my past and also with my daughters, two daughters, are the dresses you have to wear to weddings mm-hmm. and showers and events and all those things. That you, if And if you're at college and you're invited to the dances and the socials and things like, we have those. We have those dresses. We have those shoes. We have all those things for those one-time occasions mm-hmm. that I think is important to have for girls, right. you know, well, in and, this stage of life. And to touch on your sustainability message, now there's a lot of uh, random websites that you could go to um, and you could buy a dress for, you know, like $7. But also it was made um, in some other country and it's made incredibly cheaply and yeah. So um, that's a that's a big um, that's a big reason for why the um, clothing industry is so unsustainable is because of these new websites that are popping up that make really really cheap clothes, um, but they're so affordable for people who are my age that we yeah. buy them anyways. Yes, and it so makes sense. I think that's a good alternative because like if I could go to your store and still buy a nice dress that for seven dollars, right? Exactly. Right. It's still seven dollars. It is, but it's well made. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's like well made. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Again, my prom dress was ten dollars, and it was from <laughs> David's Bridal. So mm-hmm. it used to be one hundred and fifty dollars. I looked it up online later. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, yeah, so there's an example. <laughs> I think that sustainability aspect is a really um, unique aspect of your business uh-huh. um, and I think that's something that college students would be drawn to mm-hmm. yeah, yeah so that's cool. well we welcome college students <laughs> to be a part really mm-hmm. and truly to help shape it craft it right. uh, communicate it we're just two years in and we know it works you know the models right. worked and so some of those students that were in the social innovation challenge you guys are like implementing uh-huh. the things that they came up with uh-huh. right yes that's what, i think that's really awesome yeah i remember that it's from the instagram page came out do you run that emily do you know do you run like any of the social media accounts or i don't but we have a girl named sarah jane who does everything she does a really good job and yeah she's, really she's good. a student <laughs> yeah. she's a student okay Cool. She'll be graduating in May. She came awesome. on uh, through the apparel studies program mm-hmm. that they have to have a 240-hour internship. Mm-hmm. And so she came on to do that. And then she, we hired her part-time. And she's coming on board when she graduates in awesome. May. And we'll be doing it full-time because that's a full-time job. Yeah. <laughs> and I think she's doing a great job. Yeah, that's awesome. That's good for her. So I think this is a fantastic idea and business model. So for the future of your business, I know you talked earlier about how, you know, plan A might not work, Mm -hmm. plan B might not work. Mm -hmm. Um, But like, where do you see Beautiful Lives Boutique in the future? Like, Mm -hmm. do you see yourself expanding multiple stores Mm -hmm. outside the Northwest Arkansas area? Like, what do you think will happen? Yes, sir. I, I, I do envision this and and we're kind of discussing it with Jim Hall, who I mentioned earlier, but I see this as a model that can be done in any other town. So uh, you need to have a good cause and a good mission that people can get behind. Uh, Ideally, it's good to have it in a college town. I've learned that because I did it in Little Rock, and you're trying to get volunteers, and women don't volunteer like they did back in the 50s and 60s. So to be coupled with a college town or university is, is I think, really important. Um, And it can do so much good. And, um, and it builds community. So I would love to see it in other places. We do know that we're going to be launching some in northwest Arkansas. 
Um, I don't know if they're going to be called Beautiful Eyes Boutique. We're still working on that. But we have people like knocking on the door saying, we want to do this in, in our community. And awesome. Primarily through a church two churches that want to do this too so we're already saving things for them fixtures and we're getting we're putting in our policies and procedures so we can hand it off mm. so we're getting that in place so it's duplicable i would love to see it in other states because people from other states come and they drive and they love it and they say we want to have it in our cities too and then i would love to see it internationally i lived in nairobi kenya which was a melting pot of state workers it was the u.n uh, for Asia, for Africa, so you had people from all over the world there, and so if we had something like that there, with expats and people who are you know from the U.S. and other countries who want to buy that nicer stuff and not like stuff in Africa, then it could raise money to do development projects among the poorest of the poor in Africa. Hmm. See, I would love that, and it meets a need. Again, living there uh, a few years ago and needing things like that were decent to wear. In Africa, I would go to this like dirty market and go through stuff that would been donated from Goodwill or Savers, you know. And but to have something like this for people who are over there doing relief work or missionaries or working with the state, um, then it could be a hit on, on all levels. So I would love that. Yeah. And then the global shop, you know, that's a new thing. It would it would be fantastic to be able to have a global shop in each of these as well, so that women who are making products around the world who need a market would have a place where it's sold. My daughter's in Africa right now doing that, you know, working with women and that's the that's the big that's the big gap is to have a place that can sell it for these ladies that make it. They'll work they'll work twelve hours a day, seven days a week to make products if they know they can get a little bit of money to put food on the table and and send their kids to school. And so I would love to have opportunity for women to be able to provide for themselves and their kids. Because usually over there, it's the women who are providing. Mm-hmm. So if we could just be a market for them mm-hmm. and move their products, and, get, and you know, that would be thrilling. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah, that sounds like a really exciting goal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Somebody's got to take the baton. Yeah. <laughs> but I hope I live a long time. <laughs> So we kind of touched on this earlier with when you were talking about Eleanor Roosevelt and some of the other women you had read about in books, but Mm -hmm. we always like to ask this question, um, and it's towards the both of you, but can you tell us about some leaders in your life um, who you kind of look up to? Like I said, I look up to Melody a lot. (laughs) Um, I look up to my mom (laughs) a lot. That's neat. There are women in the church that I look up to. I look up to quite a few of my professors who have a lot of influence in their students' lives that I don't know if they always know that they do, um, where they can influence beliefs and um, confidence a lot, and they have, and they've been good. I don't hear a lot about very influential women very Mm -hmm. often, which is pretty sad to me. Um, I don't either. I, yeah, I get it from real life models, which is amazing, but Mm -hmm. I feel, I feel sorry for the girls that grow up and maybe don't have good role models um, in different areas of the world, but like Melody is a really good role model <laughs> in my life and she pours into me all the time. She loves me a lot, and I, or I feel that way and I think it's true. <laughs> and, um, yeah, it's been really sweet. Mm-hmm. I think you mentioning like role models this is such a perfect accidental topic for like women's history month right like the international women's day coming out with all that stuff 
Uh, so I'm, I'm really glad that you mentioned that because I think it's important to note that like women need representation mm -hmm. and people that they can, um, I think publicly, right? Mm -hmm. Public figures and pe women who are doing um, really good things in science and in healthcare and all these different areas. Um, we need to hear more about that. Yeah. So. Yeah, for me, I'm, I was at a blank. I hate to say that, but I'm like Emily. I'm like, I can't think of anybody right now <clears throat> that is in my sphere that I really, I see leading the way. I, I mean, I see some people that walk a stage and they, but yet I know they're not really doing it humbly. Mm -hmm. They're really doing it just to look good. I've seen that. They might be philanthropists. They may give money and they, they get on a magazine, but are they really in the trenches? I mean, the people that I think are the best heroes are teachers, or it's a it's a policewoman, you know, somebody who risks their lives to 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 do uh, help us, or EMTs, nurses. Oh my gosh, what nurses do? They they do all the grunt work. Those are my heroes. It's the people that are down in the trenches and those teachers and people that are underpaid and underappreciated. It really bugs me to see other people that get all the glamour, but that's just kind of the way the world is. Yeah. So those are my heroes. Well, I love that answer. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much. Thank you. And it was a treat. being with us today and sharing uh, the mission and vision of Beautiful Lives. Um, hopefully people will check you out. Um, so can you tell us like your website and maybe one more time where you're located? BeautifulLivesBoutique.com and you can find links to our Instagram and Facebook on there. That'll show you any deals that we have. And then are we at... 245 East Township yes. or 275? 245. 245 East Township. <laughs> <laughs> okay, awesome. Thank you Thank so much. Thank you.